Hi everyone, this is Glenn Keane and you are listening to the Animation Attic podcast with the Rotoscopers. They are awesome. You're listening to the Animation Attic's podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 82, interview with the amazing Glenn Keane. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. We've got Disney, we've got DreamWorks, we've got Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. But most importantly today, Glenn Keane. <laughs> I am your host, Mason Smith. I will be emceeing this episode. You'll have to excuse Morgan. Uh, she could not be here for this episode, unfortunately. But we also want to welcome Chelsea onto the show. Yay. Yay, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm so um, happy to be here, man. This is so exciting. Holy cow. I haven't been this pumped. Well, I'm, I'm always super pumped to record on the show, but this is a special episode, guys. Yeah, it is. We have one. We haven't done a, a straight up interview on the Animation Addicts podcast in, in a while, but we felt that this was so special that we just had to have it on the original show. And um, as you can tell by the title and everything that we've been leading up, we're interviewing the Glenn Keane talking about Duet, his uh, brand new hand-drawn animated short that he uh, he produced for um, Google's ATAP group for uh, the Motorola phones. Now I don't know about you, but ATAP sounds like a machine from like Star Wars or A-tap. something. ATAP. Send in the ATAPs. <laughs> Maybe I should have said ATAP. Anyway, it is the third in Google's Spotlight Stories series, and so these are uh, these are like interactive animated shorts where uh, you can take your like your Moto X and whatever phone. I, I don't have one, unfortunately. I think it works but on Android. It w- yeah, they will be working on all Androids here soon. Good, good. And so you take your phone and you can control the camera while you watch it. Now, I, I, I knew that you could like pan around, but uh, Chelsea, did you say that they could like zoom in and out on the action? Um, I believe so, yeah, because you can go from one person to the next. So, right. So um, you can... Maybe I'm totally wrong with that. Was I? I haven't seen it either. Okay, all we know is all we know because we don't have Android phones. We're weirdos. Um, we're, I do have an Android phone, but I don't have oh, the do? one. I don't. It hasn't come to my phone yet, and I'm so oh, sad. Shucks. But I really, I'm so excited to see this. Um, basically, what it is, it's double helix of two stories going on at the same time, and you are able to pan over to one side or the next, and kind of just go back and forth um, between these two simultane- simultaneously driven stories that kind of intertwine with each other. Basically, it's a love story between two people as they meet or basically as they grow up and then kind of interchange, you know, it's like they meet here and there and then, you know, they end up together at the end. Oh, it's just so sweet. So yeah. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, the result is uh, is just under four minutes long, but it's over 10,000 drawings, individual drawings. And what Mr. Keene did with this short was he actually... Instead of drawing on ones, that is uh, 24 frames per second, he drew in 60 frames per second. So it was like HD, 60 FPS, um, totally incredible feat. And um, so we're going to have him on in just a second. We're going to talk about duet, um, technical challenges that went into it, the inspiration behind it. And and um, we're going to learn a, a little more about Glenn Keane himself and um, just a disclaimer, we, we only had a little bit of time to talk to him, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and I'm, I'm, I'm really at up about it, but we tried to make it as good as an interview as possible. Unfortunately, he had to leave after about 45 minutes, and so this is a, a shorter interview, but we promise we will try to get him on the show again um, sometime in the future. Yes. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, guys, let's go. this up all week because we're just so excited uh, to have this person on the show. I don't think we've had such a a high profile and well-known figure in the world of animation uh, since Don Bluth was on the show way back when. And so it is um, me and Chelsea's utmost pleasure to introduce uh, to y'all Mr. Glenn Keane. Yay! Hello! Hello! (laughs) It's it's great to be here, Chelsea Mason. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is like, this is one of those dream come true moments. Like, whoa. Totally. <laughs> I loved your uh, your broadcast podcast uh, on um, uh, Radigan. 
<laughs> oh, on, on great, great mouse detective. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I, um, you never know who's listening to our podcast. <laughs> well, you mentioned, oh, does he listen? Nah, he doesn't. So that's why I sent. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, did you get my email I sent to you guys? We yeah, did. I, yeah, Morgan sent <laughs> okay. it to us. I only have one question, Glenn. Did you like my Radigan Vincent Price impression? Was it was yeah, it okay or not? I thought it was the only one that kind of just found uh, Vincent Price's voice uh, so mesmerizing that you just can't stop repeating his little <laughs> phrases and it, it, he was just so wonderful it was like listening to his his expressions and his the tone of his voice was like fine wine or something oh absolutely really wonderful yeah I, I i loved it it was fun listening to him again through you oh shucks well thank you so much for your kind words that means a lot to us and uh, i should always be careful for what i wish for on the podcast <laughs> also although i should probably start wishing more because then i can be like oh golly i wonder if john lasser ever listens to us hint hint you know get some other yeah. people on the show well john well, should come on oh thanks I'll, I'll take that as a recommendation I'll, yeah. I'll send i'll send that up to him yeah, we usually have a lot of fun on these interviews. I don't know if you listen to one of our interview podcasts, but uh, but these are all these usually really fun. So, well, I figure everything you do sounds like it's going to be fun. <laughs> Shucks! No, really, I I was so impressed. It was so wonderful to hear. I don't know somebody who who gets such joy out of the characters and the animation. I mean, because when we're working on it, we put every part of our being in to those films, whether they do well or whether they do poorly, it doesn't matter. You still live in the skin of the characters that you create and they're part of you out there. And to hear your uh, genuine enthusiasm and uh, I don't know, just thoughts about the film was was absolutely a, a, just a gift for me. And I just wanna thank you for what you, you both do on the Rotoscopers. Oh man, you're gonna make me cry, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, you know so that? much. That means a lot to us coming from you, seriously. And um, unfortunately, our other ho host, Morgan, couldn't make it today. Um, but she wants you to, you to know that uh, you're, she is a, a longtime fan of yours. And it's actually, if, if, if I could say something a little more, a little modest here, Morgan's kind of the mastermind of the whole thing. And uh, we really owe um, a lot to her as far as like the show and how special it is. But yeah, we, we love animation and we're just so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you then to Morgan for making all of this happen. You obviously are, are one of these people that are a gift to the animation world. Thank you. Oh my goodness. You know, though, right. like, it comes across though, Glenn, like every time that we watch any of these things, I think that's one of the reasons why we do love it so much is because there's no way you could create something like that without having so much of your being in it. And I don't know. I think that's something that Disney's always been really good at because you guys know that, you know, it could be something awesome and, or it might not, you know, get as far as others, but either way, you're still going to put everything into it and it comes across. There's no um, small moment in a Disney movie or any movie, whether it, I mean, as an artist, this is our, this is our moment. This is our time to, to express ourselves. Uh, as I, I, I said before, if it was 500 years ago, we'd be talking about uh, building cathedrals or painting frescoes. Or, but it's today, and our cathedrals happen to be uh, films that are projecting 24 images uh, per second or 60 uh, <laughs> up on a screen, and it's moving drawings that move people but this is our art form and this is our moment as artists and there's no way uh to not throw your heart and soul into everything you do and you know like animators who work with me have different times um if they're a new animator they they get the smaller moments in a film um and i can always tell the ones who who really get it that they, they embrace, even if it's just a tiny little character in the background walking by, they don't look at it as like, well, well all I got was that shot. Instead, they're like, oh, I just want to make this the best thing I can possibly imagine. And, and you know that those are the ones that are going to do great because whether it's small or big, they, they see it as a moment to be themselves up on the screen to, to live in the skin of the character. 
and it shows. Yeah. Wow. Well, we are, like I said, we're just super excited today. And um, to start off this interview, um, we want to talk about your recent work uh, duet on uh, for Moto X and for, uh, for the uh, Google ATAP team. Um, but first, we want to kind of get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we didn't really prep you for this, and that was on purpose. We do this segment called Catch and Fire on the show when we interview people. And it's a uh, it's a series of rapid-fire questions that you have to answer as quickly as possible uh, so that we can get to know you better. And uh, uh, we try to keep it fun, not uncomfortable. <laughs> and so um, I'm already uncomfortable. So. Oh, no. Good. That's that's actually part of Catch and Fire. <laughs> but um, Chelsea, do you want to do you want to do the Catch and Fire questions? I would love to. Yeah. All right. So remember, Glenn, try to answer these as quickly as possible. And um, and there, it's just a rapid fire. Get to know you. OK. Are All you right. ready? Yeah. All right. Well, then, how about a quick round of Catch and fire. Catch and fire? You mean me? You're the only one with enough courage. What is the first animated movie you remember seeing? Wow. Uh, Popeye uh, with Sinbad, and it was this three dimensional scene where Popeye is walking across the the shot and you see the these big like uh pterodactyle birds moving by in perspective and uh this bird takes off the cliff i don't know if you saw it but i will never forget the dimension and the believability of that moment it was the most magic thing i will never forget and it's it's imprinted in every scene that i've ever animated since then the, the sense of dimension. Nice. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Growing up? There was this weird one called um, uh, Twinkles. And it was, oh gosh, there was, there was this thing. It was like uh, the, the character would go back in time and deal with some sort of, uh, I don't know, event in history and the character at that moment would, in order to get out of that situation, there's always some crisis. He would say, help, Mr. Wizard, I don't want to be a, uh, I don't know, like a knight in King Arthur's table anymore. And boop, he would come back. That was my favorite <laughs> show. I don't know. You don't even remember what the name of it is now. It's just one of those cool things I remember. Huh, we'll have to look into that one. All right. What is your favorite animated movie? Peter Pan. Um, it was the moment that all of the, the the nine old men were at their prime, and it was I, I just love flying. I have flying dreams, and it's all about that. Favorite animator slash artist? I guess Frederick Bach. Uh, for me, he's kind of the epitome of everything that I aspire to as an animator. Classic yep. animation or CGI? Uh, classic. Favorite animation <laughs> studio? Glenn Keane Productions. There you go. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Disney or Pixar? Disney. Disneyland or Disney World? Disneyland. Disney princesses or princes? Princesses. Favorite animated villain? Oh, gosh. Can I say Radigan? Sure. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, Stitch or Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell. Mickey, Goofy, or Donald? Uh, Donald, I guess. Favorite character that you've animated? Ariel. People or anthropomorphic? People. Songs in animation or no songs? Songs. There you go. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? This is very important. Aladdin or Tar Tarzan? Tarzan. Snow hey, awesome. <laughs> Snow White or Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty. All right. And here's our final question, probably the most important of all. Which movie would you rather watch? Return of Jafar or Cinderella 3? Cinderella 3, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. See, we're, we're the podcast that asks the hardest questions. <laughs> we're real tough.
out of 52. Well done. All right. Hey, thanks. We personally know. Yeah, that, that's it. That's Pretty it. painless, huh? Oh, man. Hey, sorry. I took too long on those first questions, but yeah. <laughs> no, those are awesome. So we, we y'all actually reached out to us with a, a press release for Duet, and that's your new uh, animated short, hand-drawn, um, totally awesome. And it was released for uh, the Moto X series. Um, it's It's been described as an interactive animated story. And... Um, and so cool. I, I've I've seen I've seen the videos of, of people um, moving the camera around for a windy day, but uh, I got to see kind of a, a straight cut of of duet. You know, not really someone moving the camera around, um, but but such a, a touching emotional love story. So, what was your inspiration for the story of duet, Glenn? Well, when I went up there to uh, Google, um, they showed me this. Uh, phone and it was a interactive device where you look through the screen my first thought was well that's a really tiny screen why would I want to trade in a big screen for that little thing and but I realized when I looked through it it was it, was, it wasn't a screen it was a window into like an infinite world and potentially the largest screen possible and then you had the camera as a viewer and could choose to look wherever you wanted to go and the animation um, had to be in service of the freedom of the viewer. And it was such a, a mind-boggling way of thinking about animation. Um, and when Regina Dugan, who headed up this research division at Google, said, um, so, Glenn, what would you do with this? I, immediately, I knew that it was going to be hand-drawn. And... I knew it was going to be about two lives uh, intersecting because you could follow one one direction and it was going to be in a circular thing in my mind and you could follow the other one and they would continue to cross paths. And I love stories that have destiny in them. Uh, there's a purpose that we're created for and I love the design of that in characters that I animate. Um, and so there's certain things that I knew the beginning but then I thought, well, but but what I said to Regina, so well, what is it that you want? I mean, you know, do you have some thoughts about what you guys are looking for? And she said, well, we just want you to make something beautiful and emotional. So, well, uh, I mean, that's wonderful. But like, OK, so what are you selling, though? What's the catch here? Yeah. She said, well, there there is no catch. This is going to be free. Uh, from Google. It's just going to arrive on people's phones. Uh, all we want is for you to push yourself creatively, and that will push us technologically. Uh, I mean, this is music to your ears, you know, for any artist, for any animator. So uh, I took the challenge and uh, went to Lake Arrowhead, where we have a house up in the mountains and a studio, and I had my son, Max, who was a production designer, and Jenny Rim, uh, my producer. Uh, come up and we developed this short little idea of these two babies and watching them grow. And these ideas, uh, it's just something I've learned from my dad, who's a cartoonist from the family circus. It was take what you love, the people you love, take your own life and and put that out there. Be open, open yourself up and share who you are. And so this whole story was really, you know, inspired by my own grandchildren uh, about my own life, my my path, meeting my wife. I mean, there's so many aspects of it that um, I related to. Uh, it's a very sincere, genuine, hopeful idea that there is a course and a path for us to follow that leads us right to where we're meant to be. It was, the idea that it was going to be hand-drawn was really important for me. I mean, I've spent you know, 40 years in animation, but no one has ever seen my drawings. Yeah. It's only cleanup that's up on the screen. I mean, and cleanup is wonderful. The artists have to be incredible, but there's still something in that original, um, moment, the actual act of animating in rough pencil. There's an energy that, um, that is communicated by that, that 
I, I really wanted that to be up on the screen sometime. But uh, at Disney, for years, they, they you know what they did with all the rough. The original drawings were shredded after every film, Ooh, were destroyed. Ouch. From Yikes. Snow White, Pinocchio, <laughs> Bambi, all of the original drawings are, have been destroyed um, because they valued the cleanup drawings to me, which was like, what? This is, how could you do that? Oh, and man. at one point, oh, I remember on the Fox and the Hound, um, management came into my office and loaded up all of the drawings from the bear fight and everything I had done and were wheeling it out of my office. And uh, I mean, a huge pile of stuff. And I said, well, where are you going with that? I said, well, we're, we're going to shred it. Like, Yes. Oh my gosh. No, you you're not no, no. So I took it all back and I took it into my car that night and drove it home and put it in my garage. And for the next until Little Mermaid came, um, I kept all of my animation that I did in my garage because they they weren't being kept. They were being destroyed up to that point. And then there is a shift and all the animation from that point on was preserved and, and kept in archives at Disney. Yeah. But I've always felt that um, the, in the original drawings, there is emotion. I, I see drawing as like a seismograph of my soul in a way. and It communicates and it, it says something personal. And this, that's what this whole little film was going to be, a celebration of line. Uh, I mean, the, the look of it, um, my son Max, who was our production designer, at one point, I'd done some little animation, and he took it, and he scanned it, and he said, uh, what do you think of this? And I looked, and it was just something. It was I'd never seen anything like it. He'd taken the line, the graphite line off the paper and floated it in space and turned it into light and created uh, an atmosphere around it, and it just elevated drawing so that you appreciated it with new eyes. Uh, it was... Um, it was unlike anything I'd seen before. Wow. Yeah, I, I noticed that the the um, they are your drawings in this in this short. Like your drawings come to life, and everything's very gestural, and everything's very. Um, not, I wouldn't say rough because that would just be saying the opposite of the of, of the you know the cleanup techniques used in traditional animation. And I did have a question. So why, um, so why the graphite? Is that just is that just something that you that you that an animator uses traditionally for their original drawings. I'm not really well versed in that because I, I noticed in the making of video, they talked about the graphite being, um, when you looked at it real close, there were these star galaxies of, of the graphite texture on the paper that came out real well in the short. Yeah. Well, for one thing, uh, I, my assistant, Sarah Aris, uh, she and I drew all the animation in that, um, and it was, we, we also had a, a couple other uh, assistants that came in to help towards the end, but predominantly it was Sarah and I that just did thousands and thousands, I mean, over 10,000 drawings in there. And it, um, it's pencil because um, that's the most immediate expressive way for me to um, get my emotions out for you to see and feel. I mean, I, I love drawing on paper. There's something that happens. I mean, like I can draw on a Cintiq, um, but that's not a graphite line. That's a digital line. Uh, graphite is a very unique thing. The other day, Max um, was watching his uh, two-year-old son, Henry, draw, and he said, Dad, you know, Henry's got a great line. Uh he said, do you, do you realize that every line that is made on paper is a unique creative moment never to be repeated in history? And it's true, because if you expand that line, if you look at really close in a microscope, it is like a star field of graphite dust. Every line is unique placement. And one of the things that was the biggest challenge uh, in duet, that technological side was the compression of the data, because this this has to actually work on a phone interactively. So they actually have to 
produce the image in an instant, wherever you look, it has to be ready and to appear. That means they've got to reproduce that line in an instant. Well, in CG, um, it's all vectors. So you are following a path of a vector line and it's predictable and it's mathematically predictable. Therefore, it's easier to uh, condense and reproduce. Uh, a line, a graphic line is much more complex because every line uh, is unique. And all of those little speckles of dust, of graphite dust are unpredictable. And they needed to compress enormous amounts of data to do that. I had no idea. I don't think they, they did either at the beginning what this was going to mean. Um, I mean, that was one of the technological challenges that uh, we were faced with in uh, the creative team at Google under Rashid El-Gerhab, uh, who created the, the, the technical side of you know their team. He led that team. I mean, they were every bit as creative in their programming and writing code as we were in our drawing. Hmm. I don't that know. Did amazing. I explain no, the, that side of it to you? Yeah, that's that is really amazing because as you think about it, like if because in the in the movie you're able to like zoom in and zoom out and um, get closer and closer, and for that you do have to have so much more. I mean, anything with video, it's like you have to have a lot of compression in there to be able to um yeah. it's just a lot of space and a lot and for it to just kind of like show up on your phone it's kind of kind of amazing um so do you think that i mean as far as you've had the opportunity to work now with many different types of technology as well as with you know just the graphite pencil um what are what do you think is going to be happening as far as do you think this is something um that will be Re, uh, not replaced, um, just redone over and over? Well, the, the technology is, is really a, um, it's, it's so new. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even think at this point Google understands what they've got. Yeah. I'm still just figuring it out. We're all just trying to understand what the heck have we done? Yeah. What is this? It's, it's a scary thing as a filmmaker to put the camera into the hands of the audience because we're so much about composition, composing the shots. So mm -hmm. you enjoy and understand the story we're trying to tell and to take that and to put that in the hands of the audience, you give up, um, control. Jan Pinkova, who created the first, uh, uh, one of these little films called Windy Day it was a CG version of yes. a CG film, um, kept encouraging Max and Jenny and I to um, to dive in headfirst, give the freedom of movement to the audience. And I learned that rather than control the audience, we were coaxing them, um, uh, coaxing them to where we wanted them to, to look. And that... That means that the audience is invested. They become uh, personally connected to the show because they are conducting it in a sense. And yet we very much wanted to take them on a journey, an emotional one that led them somewhere. So it's not just like a video game where you can go and get lost. You are actually um, directed to a final path. If somebody does get lost, we added a little butterfly to bring you back to the characters so that you would never get lost and we've always waiting for you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think that the ground that we've discovered or, or cleared and that Jan Pinkova has really pioneered is a transferable art form that is going to be rediscovered and used by other talent in new ways. The audience, it just came out like about a week and a half ago on um, started to arrive on some of the Androids. Mm -hmm. Eventually it will be on all the Androids and on all phones ultimately where um, it arrives as a, uh, it, I mean, I, I guess in the palm of your hand. I mean, it's a very intimate thing. People were getting it at three in the morning, um, which is a really surprising way to suddenly to be hearing back from people who are looking at your animation at three in the morning in bed. <laughs> <laughs> like one couple <laughs> been wanting to have a baby for a long time and that she wasn't able to get pregnant. And they saw this 
three in the morning, this animation arrived and this little dancing ballerina came across and they watched it. It was all about the birth of a child. And they said, this is, this is a providential moment here. This is a message from God. We are going to have a baby. Next morning she went and she tested and she was pregnant. So they sent us this, this email thanking us for, for the blessing of that. Now we're going to have to have a, um, disclaimer <laughs> this may cause pregnancy or something like that absolutely <laughs> no but well, there's something really intimate about this and every you think about i mean i say i was at i was at disney and uh and uh i knew that something new was coming for me but i didn't know what it was mm-hmm. i remember ed catmull asking me so well, glenn what what do you want what do you want to do and I said, well, Ed, I just want to live without walls. He said, well, what does that mean? I said, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but the world is huge. And there are so many artists out there that I want to connect and touch and audiences that I want to be able to connect with. And and I feel like I, I want to, to be creating in a space that doesn't have the big studio walls. And um, my wife at one point said, well, well, where do you want to go? Where would you go? And I said, I don't know. Maybe like Google. I don't know. There's, there's, they're unique. They're, like they, they're, they're connecting to in the palm of the hand of every human being on the planet. Everybody that's got a, a phone has got uh, Google on it. And I just wondered what it would be like to be an artist with them. And uh, it, it really was uh, one of these steps of faith to leave Disney at that point, not knowing what was coming. And uh, next thing I knew, uh, I was having dinner with a couple friends, and one of them, Doug Sweetland, was telling me about this animation he was doing with Doug Sweetland. And before I knew it, I was up there in Silicon Valley meeting with uh, Google and Regina Dugan, and uh, I was uh, was off and running. That's really exciting. So as I'm listening to you, I was hearing... You know, from a, from the past couple of interviews that we've done, we've done with a couple of different people, and a lot of them are having these exact same things. Like they're wanting something a lot more interactive, a lot more like person to person. And I think it's just really cool to see that you know so many people are on that same wavelength and just moving this whole thing forward. I really do believe that that is going to be a, a huge part of our future. I think so. I mean, this idea of hand drawn. CG, uh, it's just another another tool, another way of expressing it. I, I have felt that hand-drawn would never go away, yeah. that it is because of the computer that it has been freed to become itself. I found that anytime technology has crossed my path, it's forced me to become a better artist, animating well, the first CG animation with John Lasseter and I on this little Wild Things test back in 82. Right. Uh, to Tarzan with deep canvas, uh, you have to think more dimensionally. And, and I've always thought that the look of traditional animation, what we think of as hand-drawn, is really a look that was developed because of a technical limitation, painting on cells and cleaning it up. And, and we're no longer held back by that. Mm-hmm. And if you took an artist like Degas and asked him, today, like brought him back from the dead and, and didn't show him any animation, no Disney films, nothing, but showed him what's possible with the technology. Um, what would he do? What, where would he take this art form? What, what can it become? I feel like we have to free ourselves from what has been like the expected look of hand drawn and, and let it become something entirely new. In a lot of ways, CG has taken the mantle of hand-drawn, which is a much more controlled, um, structured kind of environment. Hand-drawn should be much more free and expressive. Like duet, if I had to coin a phrase what it would look like, how to describe what duet is, I'd say more of a visual poem. Uh, it's, it's, it's It's a different thing than a linear traditional story. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, 
uh, Glenn, the, the story of, of the production of Duet and, and just um, how you formed it creatively is um, super inspiring. And we're going to uh, definitely promote Duet and, and encourage all of our fans and listeners to uh, to check out Duet if they haven't already. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your, your comments on that. I feel like we've definitely learned a lot. Thank um, you. Yeah. So unfortunately, we, I mean, there's so much we would like to ask you, Glenn, but unfortunately we ju- we're just so limited with our time. Um, do you have time for uh, one or two uh, questions from our listeners? Sure. Yeah. I'd love to. All right. All right. And and we, we got like probably 50 replies on, on this when we asked, Hey, would you like to ask Glenn, Glenn Keen something? And it was like a huge flood of people. So uh, we were only able to pick uh, a few of them. Um, okay. This one is from Thomas Van Acker out of Belgium. So you, you have to answer in Belgian. Okay. <laughs> uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas asks, uh, what do you think is the most important aspect of animation that should be taught by teachers? Okay. Um, well, I, there's, I remember for me when I was starting, I needed to learn two things. One, I needed somebody to explain the principles, squash and stretch, anticipation, exaggeration, all of those things have to be taught. There's, those are the ABCs. I mean, you, in order to learn to write a poem, you have to start with the language structure. That's what that is. You learn the the skills of animation. And there's a lot of just study and um, discipline that goes into that. On the other hand, just as important is the sincerity that is the most difficult thing to teach. Uh, I remember when I started at Disney, Eric Larson, uh, one of the nine old men, uh, was constantly saying, the key to Disney animation is sincerity. Oh, wow. Like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and uh, I remember my very first scene I had was a tiny little animation of Bernard. I was animating, uh, and he was in the he was in the first Rescuers, and he's yeah. sweeping on the floor of the United Nations building, and um, just a tiny little character, a whole bunch of characters. But I, I thought single-handedly I was going to destroy the entire reputation of Disney with that. This was my first scene I'd ever animated. And um, I struggled for like weeks with this action of a sweeping action, trying to figure that out. And I was crashing and burning with it. Finally, I went in and asked Eric for help and thinking he was going to give me some a technical formula for that kind of an action. And, and he said, um, well, Glenn, um, what kind of a guy is Bernard? I said, well, I, what do you mean? Well, does he want to, what kind of a job does he want to do? Does he want to do a good job? Sure he does. He, he wants to sweep up every speck of dust off that floor. He, he puts his whole heart and soul into this. This little guy cares about what he, and he started talking like Bernard was a real person. And I, at, at that point, I just, I realized This guy isn't even the animator of the scene, but in an instant, he was living in the skin of that character. And that that's what sincerity means, is to believe in the character that you are animating, to to live in the skin of them. Yeah. I mean, so sincerity, huh? Sincerity is is that other thing. You've got the 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 foundational skills of animation, but the sincerity is something that a teacher has to have himself to communicate yeah. that you you, cool. you get that passed on uh from one heart to another it's not something from the head uh I, I, th- that's the question and that's the answer to that question in my mind excellent thank you so much one last question this is from our listener bridget monica she says what story that hasn't been done would you love to see transformed into a full-length animated film well, uh, I am doing that now. Oh, <laughs> so I have, uh, give that away. Um, but hypothetically, yeah, going to have to. Why don't you answer? Ask me another question because I don't want to really go down that path. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I have one actually. Oh, go for it, Chels. Yeah, a little bit ago, you were talking about how when you animate, you like thinking that it's something like a sense of destiny, like we were created for something. And um, we had another question from Jessica Wersky, and she asked, what role does faith play in your creative life? And I feel like that kind of goes along with that. Well, for me, my faith is uh, incredibly important. Uh, It was really at Disney where um, I think I... 
I I found myself really asking important, deep questions, not only about my art, but who I was, my relationship with God. And uh, I had a good friend, Ron Husband, who shared with me uh, his faith in uh, Jesus Christ. And at that point, I really made a deep commitment of my heart that this idea that God had created me and that at a certain point, God had even come to the planet in the person of Christ. And my whole goal in life was ultimately to live in his design and to to live my life for him. And early on, I decided, okay, I want to, what does animation have to do with anything so incredibly important as um, your spiritual life. And so I decided I was going to leave Disney uh, and go to seminary. And I talked to my pastor at that time and he said, well, Glenn, um, I don't know, secretly, I've always sort of wished that uh, I was a lawyer because (laughs) then if I talk about my faith, people don't turn on their church ears said, you have a unique position. You should stay there. And this was like in my first year at Disney, really. Um, and uh, so I, I thought, okay, I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here and see what happens. And I found that in all the characters that I've animated, there is a, a way of expressing my faith in very personal, real ways that are underneath the surface, and it's obviously the driving force in my life, animating a character like Ariel that believes the impossible is possible. I mean, here she is under the water, and she falls in love with a guy that walks on land, that breathes air. What in the world is this girl thinking? This is not possible, but this is the realm of faith, and and to animate characters that are not stopped by anything that that somebody else might say is ridiculous and impossible. I I find that I live that way all the time. Even leaving Disney was very much a step of faith. And I'm still living that way now. Wow. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for uh, for all your time, uh, Glenn. Unfortunately, we're all out of time. Can we get you to do one last thing for us? Sure. All right. We got Don Bluth to do a custom intro to the podcast. Can we get you to do the same? Uh, well, I can't say I'm Don Bluth. <laughs> okay. All right. But you, you can say you're, you're Glenn Keane, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Just say, hello, this is Glenn Keane. You're listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Okay. You ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Glenn Keane, and you are listening to the Animation Addict podcast with the Rotoscopers. They are awesome. Oh, shucks. Perfect. (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs) Thank you so much, Glenn. We really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you, Chelsea Mason. And thank you also to Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. We'll pass that on to her. Okay. That was fantastic. Oh, shucks. That was so sweet. You know, I was so depressed that we were going to run out of time, but I have a feeling that Glenn, uh, I, I keep wanting to say Glenn Beck. Uh, <laughs> I keep thinking that Mr. Glenn Keen is going to uh, is going to be on the show again sometime soon. I, I totally think he will. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we covered a lot of ground, shared a few laughs. Um, I think that could possibly have been one of our greatest interviews ever. If only we would have had another hour or so, that would have made everything even better. Because but... there's so much to go into. For one, we, we got so many replies right. on on the fan and, and listener questions from our friends. And uh, we're so sorry that we could only ask uh, three of them. One of them he didn't want to answer because that would have given away <laughs> his current project. <laughs> um, but... Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this this short but sweet interview with uh, Glenn Keane. And we promise we will do everything we can to, to get him more involved in the podcast because it sounds like he really likes us. And uh, our, our friends who listen to us um, are, are a big part of that. 
So I feel good. If we could all have like a giant collective rotoscopers group hug right now, that would just make my day. It really, I think we already did. That would just complete my Squeeze universe. Squeeze right now. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, big hug. <laughs> big hug. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you for joining in once again to the Animation Addicts podcast. We will see you next time. And our next episode is going to be our Christmas episode. So come back and join us as we get to talk about one of Glenn Keane's other favorite characters, which was Willie the Giant. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So um, our next episode will be on Mickey's Christmas Carol. Bah, humbug. <laughs> See, now we're going to start seeing Glenn Keane everywhere and everything we talk about. He's already everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. He actually sent us an email um, that was fantastic and talked a lot about the the episode we did on The Great Mouse Detective. And right. at the very end, he's just like, we're listening. <laughs> I was like, that's so ominous. Like, who's we? <laughs> the, the secret Disney Disney legends Illuminati are, are listening to us. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was fantastic. <laughs> it really was. Um, you never know who's listening to the, the Animation Addicts podcast. Yeah, you just... You never know. All right, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode. When you tweet about this awesome interview uh, on your social media, make sure to use the hashtag AnimAddicts. And then referring to this specific episode, use hashtag AnimAddicts82. This is our 82nd episode of this grandiose podcast that we love so much. For show notes, links, and more, visit us at rotoscopers.com slash 82. That will be the, the webpage for this particular episode. And make sure to go there because it kind of completes your whole like podcast experience with this episode because we always put links. We always uh, you know put, put stuff about all the tangents that we talk about. And uh, we'll put links to Duet, to all the other... Um, you know, the other uh, videos in that series that he um, that Google was working on. Really cool stuff. You can find us on Hypable and Animated Views. Also, uh, very important, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we are also available on Stitcher Radio. And uh, just a word about iTunes. If you love the Rotoscopers and the Animation Addicts podcast, be sure to leave feedback and, um, you know, your positive reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate um, hearing what you think about the show. It helps us be better. Uh, it helps us keep going. Um, don't, and we're also on... Practically all social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a Tumblr. Pinterest if you want to, oh yeah, Pinterest. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Oh sheesh. Um, I didn't even. I we don't even everywhere. know how Pinterest works. <laughs> but there We're are on Vine. those that know. We are on Vine. Yeah. We are. <laughs> all this. Happened. We only have like one video up, but I mean, hey, I just got Vine on my Kindle, so I'll probably be posting something at some point. <laughs> yeah, we also have a, a MySpace, a Zanga, and a Live Journal, um, <laughs> and a Tinder account. Maybe not, Wait. but oh. Oh, okay. Anyway, don't forget to contact us if you if you so wish um, by email at rot at contact at rotoscopers.com. Pretty simple. You can always re um, leave a voicemail. We love voicemails, right, Chelsea? We so do. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, we love hearing voicemail from our awesome um, friends, you know, and fans and listeners. And Just like you guys get to know who we are, we get to know who you are. It's fantastic. Yeah, we want to hear your beautiful voices. You know. Smokers cough and all. <laughs> we haven't had anyone who had a smoker's cough. Um, rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or call the number 406-646-6575. This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Amazon.com and Audible.com. Amazon is uh, you know, your go-to place for anything, especially around the, uh, the shopping season for Christmas. You know, Audible.com is a uh, number one resource for audiobooks. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, when you're doing your Christmas shopping, go through rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. That'll take you through our Amazon affiliate link. And so you can do your shopping and help the rotoscopers at the same time. Um, and uh, it's a great way to, to help raise money for, uh, you know, for like the upkeep and the maintenance of the show. And uh, we also have a rotoscoper store. You can buy all your Rotoscopers mer merchandise, which right now is one T-shirt, <laughs> uh, $12 or $16 for an autographed shirt. That's right. You get... Uh, my autograph, Chelsea's autograph, and Morgan's autograph on a freaking awesome Rotoscoper shirt. Which is That's really a, cool because Morgan, Mason, and I have never been in the same room before. So, so it's practically the same thing. It, it is. As that. <laughs> you have more of a connection to all of us than we have a connection to each other. <laughs> oh, that's sad, but crazy at the same time. 
Kind of like the movie Interstellar. But yeah, <laughs> rotoscopers.com slash store is where you can find those awesome t-shirts. Um, and uh, we usually, we we love to quote Disney films. Head over to DisneyQuotes.com uh, for all your Disney quotes and, and soon to be all of animation quotes. Yes. Okay, um... And don't forget, uh, we are still taking submissions for ideas for the best of 2014 show. So make sure you leave a voicemail or send us an email um, telling us what parts of which episode you want to have featured on the best of 2014 show. So, for example, you know, you can write, hey, I really loved it when um, when Mason did his Jim Cummings impression for the 48th time on the podcast. And so uh, episode number and then do a timestamp, you know, this many hours, this many minutes, and this many seconds into the show. And that helps us pinpoint exactly what you're talking about. And uh, if you haven't heard if you haven't seen the, the best of 2012, best of 2013 shows, um, they're freaking awesome. And we're really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are also going to be doing a Rotoscopers Awards on that one. That's mostly what it's going to be. And then it'll have a lot of a uh, couple, you know, best of moments that you guys have su- suggested and that we yeah. found as well. Um, so make sure to go to the website, rotoscopers.com. And there's stuff coming up that's going to be posted in the next couple days, really. Um, if it's not already posted for you guys to vote on what you guys thought were the best of 2014 as far as the rotoscopers awards go absolutely and uh we are all over social media that is us three individual hosts you can find morgan at morgan straddling uh, she's on twitter instagram um also on twitter and instagram uh, chelsea robson at chelsea robson and then uh, my handle is a little more complicated because that's just me um, at mason smtx you will find me on twitter and instagram i post my art i post funny stuff i guess and uh i got uh, this animated life dot pl- uh, blogspot.com is my blog and then if you want to check out my portfolio um, masonsmithportfolio.com and now I deeply regret announcing that on the podcast because now possibly Glenn Keane is going to look at my stuff (laughs) this is all good things Mason good things okay okay I'll brace myself for it Um, thank you again so much for listening this has been an incredible show and we love to have you be a part of it until next time we we are are the the Rotoscopers. rotoscopers All right. Have a good one, Glenn. Thank you so much. You and too. thank uh, you. Uh, thank you, Jenny. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, you guys, for making the time to, to meet with us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys, too. Great. Bye. All right. Bye-bye Have now. Bye. This is, this is their fa- Facebook page, and all of these people are, like, excited to... This is all in response to your podcast with them. Oh, man. They wanted... They really wanted more. It's too bad. They couldn't have talk more with them but that's me yeah i think um yeah, yeah it is it is really bad uh, make sure you guys go ahead and hang up on us so that me and chelsea oh, can do the wrap up. <laughs> yeah i would have loved to yeah hey, but we'll, we'll, we'll we want to have you on soon uh sometime later how about that great i'd right. love to do that we yeah. just started excellent well go ahead and and, and uh hang up from our call and uh, me and chelsea will do the wrap up Okay, Okay. bye, you guys. Bye. See you guys. That was fantastic. Aw, shucks. That was so sweet.